You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek podcast, recorded live each Sunday at St. John's Anglican Church, Diamond Creek. This episode presented by Associate Minister Julie Blinko. chapter 3 verse 26 through till chapter 7 verse sorry chapter 4 verse 7 and it can be found on page 944 of the bibles in front of you or behind if you're in the front row so in christ jesus you are all children of god through faith for all of you were baptized into jesus have clothed yourself with christ there is neither jew nor gentile neither slave nor free, nor, th- nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Uh, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs among the promise, according to the promise. What I am saying is that you are no, is that as long as you are an heir, no, oh, sorry, What I am saying is that as long as an heir is under age, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. The heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when we were under age, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. But when the set time has fully come, God sent his son born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. Thanks, Nick. So Julie's going to come up now and take us through that passage in a bit more detail. This is time for our kids' teaching time. So we have separate teaching for primary school and kinder age kids. So if you know where to go, please head out there now. If you're unsure where to go, I'm going to go and stand in the main doors there and you can come and meet me and I'll help you work it out. Over to you, Julie. Hi everyone, I'm Julie. Um, This is one of my um, maybe favourite topics to preach on, so I'm going to start with prayer just to keep me on track. Um, Heavenly Father, thanks that we are children of God. That's a magnificent truth and impacts us deeply. I pray that you would use my words tonight, God, and speak through me into people's hearts and minds that we might know more of you through it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, around my 21st birthday, about six months before, my parents gave me a choice. They said, Julie, in six months' time as your 21st, we're going to either pay some of your rent for the next nine months, or we're going to buy you a car, a Hyundai XL, second-hand car. What would you like to do? Now, at the time, they were already helping me with some of my rent, because I was still at uni, and I was doing a lot of public transport to catch... um, buses to teaching jobs. So the choice was easy. I'll go the car, mum and dad. I'll go the little blue Hyundai XL. And thus began my first drive, well, my first car. They said to me, there is a catch, though. Once we give you the car, you're on on your own. You're an adult. 
We want you to pay your own uni fees, pay your own rent, pay your own bills, find a job, another job if needed, but basically this is our good luck for the rest of your life. And I was like, oh, wow, oh, what a bittersweet gift. But, you know, they helped me with a budget and helped me make plans for their onwards in my life. Looking backwards, I'm really grateful that they kind of kicked me out of the nest in such an abrupt way. Um, it taught me a lot and set me up well. So when Paul's writing here, he's giving these people, people in Galatia, the Jews and the Gentiles, he's giving them a similar option. He's giving them a choice. And he's basically saying, hey, kids, it's grow-up time. You guys have got an identity as children of God, and I'm asking you to grow up into it. So to, there was two people listening to it, to the non-Jews, the Gentiles. He was saying, stop leaning on the things of this world. Stop being slaves to the things around you and, and lean to Christ. Learn to trust in him as a child. To the Jews, he had a slightly different message. It's all woven in this language. It's the same thing. But it wasn't necessarily slaves to this world. It was stop leaning on the things that you used to lean on and lean into being a child of God through Jesus. Now, I'm just going to open it up a bit. Does anyone know much about the Jewish history? So when we're talking, so this children of God was referring to a time in their thinking, in the original audience, and it's really good to do that when you're reading the Bible. Some of it's what does it mean for us, but a lot of it's also what did it mean to the original audience. So the original audience, when they were listening to this children of God phrase, they were thinking back to the time of Exodus when they were in the wilderness for 40 years. Can anyone tell me briefly what that was about? 40 years in the wilderness? Why on earth were they there? Go for it. Oh, that was so brief. That was great. You fulfilled the requirement. <laughs> so the, um, the Hebrews were in Egypt under Pharaoh. Moses was appointed and anointed as a leader to set them free. He did, long story cut short, through a series of miraculous things. Dead Sea opened, they walked out. What should have been a basically a two-week journey to the promised land of Israel took 40 years wandering around and it's guessed there was about 3 million of them. If we go to the next slide, there's a picture of, uh, the one on the left there is a picture of some of that wilderness that they were, were walking through. Now, despite there being supernatural manna, so kind of nutritious bread that was provided every day, despite these other supernatural signs, these Hebrew people were complaining, oh, we're sick of this food, we're sick of this leader, how long, God, how long? And so God was using these 40 years to train them to be people that walked by faith before they can inherit the promise that God had promised them in faith. They were being trained to be people that thought like children rather than thought like slaves. And it was a long lesson for them. Some of them didn't even get there. They died before they entered that promised land. So in this passage, Paul was saying two things. Number one, I want you to grow into your identity as children of God, learning to walk by faith rather than by sight. And the other thing is saying, I want you to stop leaning on the law. So in the wilderness, Moses gave them, you might remember the story, the Ten Commandments and the law, and they've treasured that even now in Caulfield. There's great ceremonies as they open the law and they read it. But he's saying, the law is a little bit like an au pair. 
You know, like one of the, a really treasured babysitter that's been walking with you, journeying with you, keeping you on track while you're underage. But now that you've come of age, I want you to know that there is a man, Jesus Christ, who lived and fulfilled the whole law, and now you don't need to lean on the law anymore. You need to have faith in him. It would have been radical for them, and we sometimes look over that as, oh yeah, well, it doesn't apply to us, but there's two different trains of people that are being brought as one to be the people of faith. God's plan all along was a worldwide family whose family crest, whose coat of arms, would be their faith. That family is now created through those who have faith in the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Does anyone have a coat of arms, like a family coat of arms? Yeah, some of us do. And it kind of tells the story of the lineage of that family and it's passed down and the stories are passed down and usually there's a few bits of history and values there as well. So the idea was that the family of Jesus Christ, the family of Abraham, the family of God will be people that are known by their faith. Now that was the lesson back then as people were in the wilderness. But what does it look like now in Diamond Creek? What does it look like now in your high school? What does it look like now as we're walking along Shooth Street? What does it look like now as we make our plans for the year? What would it look like if we were known as a people who really walked by faith? You guys heard what the St. John's people are doing nowadays? Like, I'd love it if there was sort of like godly conversations, like rumours, like you walk down to Coles and people are talking about the 6pm congregation. Those people, they're so audacious. Do you know what they're playing, praying for now? I don't know, let's make it up. Genuinely believe that if they pray, God will answer. Genuinely believe that the blind will see and the sick will be healed. They genuinely believe that they can make a difference in their schools. Did you hear what she was saying last week? They're praying for this. Can you imagine? People would start tuning in to see they're either off the page crazy and deluded or... Their God is real and he's coming through for them. They're not just praying these high and lofty prayers. They're living like it's going to happen. They're walking by faith. So for you personally, when you think about your life, which area are you walking in faith by? Sometimes I like to think the plans that I make or maybe a New Year's resolution. If you could do that just by hard work, you know, maybe like youth life group that you've had before the service or you're thinking about relief lands this year or you're making plans for the year. If you could do that with a good team and some hard work, let me challenge you to dream bigger and encourage you to attempt things that could only be possible if God stepped in. It sort of feels a little bit scary, actually. It's like I'm putting myself out on a limb here God, I really hope you come through with who you say you are. Otherwise, I'm going to look stupid and fall. Walking by faith sometimes feels like that, but always God steps in. Perhaps there's something in your personal life. Perhaps you're not really the type to step out and be proactive with it, but there's stuff going on in your own life that's just a bit tough. Maybe someone you love is sick. Maybe it's a new school or some challenges in one of the classes. 
Maybe there's just a few things that have come at you that you just think, gee, I didn't see that one coming. That's knocked me for a six. That's, that's tough. Have you got a battle plan for that? Or to rephrase it, what would it look like to walk by faith in that area of your marriage, of a relationship, of a heartache? What would it look like to walk by faith in that area? A little journey God's taken me on this last month, actually. There's been a couple of things that have just, it's been about five things that have just come up out of the blue, didn't see it coming, knocked me for a bit of a six, to be honest. I felt pretty overwhelmed with these circumstances. And I woke up about 30 mornings in a row. The first morning, God said, Julie, I've taught you what to do here. What are you talking about? He's like, I've taught you how to praise and worship. I want you to lift your hand. I want you to start singing over these scenarios that feel so overwhelming. And so he put a song in my heart, if you're interested, that raise a hallelujah one by Bethel that's out at the moment. And I tell you, I've had that. I had that on repeat for about 30 days. And any time there was any anxiousness that came in my heart, he just drew me back to that song. And I started singing. It goes, raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. Raise a hallelujah. Like, I lift my hands, I lift my eyes to God in this sickness, in this legal battle, in this credit card scam, in, this, in these other things that had happened, in my car breaking down, in all of these scenarios. I raise a hallelujah. I sing God's song over these scenarios. And some of them have worked themselves out. But what happens when you're walking by faith, what happens when you're lifting it to God, is the fear that wells up here begins to dissolve as he gives us his perspective on the challenges that we're facing. Children of God are children who walk by faith. So back to my car. On my 21st birthday, I got given those keys, got my little blue Hyundai XL, was pretty excited. For the Jews and Gentiles, they had a different coming of age, so to speak. Their entrance into their new identity as children of God is said in verse 26 and 27. It says, In Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you are baptised into Christ and have clothed yourselves with Christ. He recognises and is aware, yes, there's Jewishness and Gentileness. Yes, there's maleness and femaleness. Yes, there's slaves and there's free. But these things, which make people so unique, count for nothing in Christ Jesus. We're all one in him. It's an equal playing field. There's nothing extra which is needed for full-blown membership into the worldwide family of God. And it's a powerful witness. I know numbers of times when I've gone out for lunches and coffees and noodles and things after church services, we've gone out with whoever's available, really, and had a meal. Sometimes the wait staff ask me, what's uh?" What's, what are you guys about? Like, are you part of a club or something? I'm like, oh, no, 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 why do you ask? And I kind of know, but I just want to draw it out. You know, it's like, why do you ask? And they're like, well, we've just been talking and we just can't work out what you all have in common. Like, you all come, there's different ages and different wealth and you wear different clothes and you're from different backgrounds. Oh, yeah, we're, we're from the church, actually. We've got Jesus in common. And there's been more than, I'd say, two or three times people have asked that. And it's cool, isn't it? Because when you're part of the same church, you, 
you stop noticing the differences and you start noticing who you have in common, that it's him that brings us together. Children of God walk by faith and enter into that faith through Christ Jesus. The third thing, in verse 4, we're given an adoption to sonship. It's a really special gift. Verse 4, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you were his sons, and we could say children there because it's referring to sons and daughters, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. So you were no longer slaves, but God's children. And since you are his children, he has also made you heirs. Now back in the day, adoption to sonship meant the slave was fully released from all obligations to the slave owner. And it came under the full authority and dominion of the new father, receiving his name, his lineage, his property. He became part of the family. It was more than a transfer of ownership. It was an adoption to sonship. And we're told that when we believe in Jesus Christ, we get a spirit of adoption in us. And what that means, has anyone um, swallowed a compass? I'm just seeing, just wake up a little bit. Has anyone swallowed a compass? Nope, really glad to hear it, but glad you're all looking up. So swallowing a compass is a little bit like a spirit of adoption, right? Compass always faces due north. Heavenly Father's over here. Spirit of adoption in us is always pointing us back to our Heavenly Father. It's always, even if we're walking in this direction, it's pulling us inside back to our Heavenly Father like a compass faces due north. That's how it works, the Holy Spirit in us. Now, going forward, I want to look at four quick stories, maybe they're not so quick, but four stories of what it is to be a child of God. And I'm pretty excited because I had another message planned last week. I took annual leave, and in the middle of my annual leave, the Holy Spirit made it really clear, I want you to show them these things. I want you to tell them that they're worthy of being my children. I want you to tell them they're worthy of these next four things. So I didn't mind, guys, didn't mind that I spent some of my annual leave rewriting this, just letting you know, but I felt really excited going, oh, this is God's message for today and have a real confidence in that. I believe it's going to help people today. Number one, as children of God, you are worthy of seeing big prayers answered. One of my um, favourite faith heroes is a lady called Heidi Baker. She's a missionary in Mozambique. You might have heard of her. She adopts a lot of children into her home. She says she often sees and loves the transformation she sees from those that are new to the home to those that are children. She said the adopted ones have, like the early on ones, have, have two different responses. One of them is, please, Mama Heidi, I'm so hungry. Would you mind if I had a slice of bread? I, I, know, I, I know I shouldn't, but I'm just so hungry. And she says, they don't know yet that they belong. They don't know yet that I've stocked a whole pantry just for them. They don't know yet that I've prepared a way for them. The other one, she said, they steal. They come in and if I leave anything out, they steal the wallet. They steal my necklaces. They steal anything that's left around because they're used to having to fend for themselves. They haven't ever had someone looking out for them. They don't know what it is to be part of a family. 
If you want something from my wallet, ask me. I'll give you the money. I'll buy what you need. You don't need to steal. She said it takes them a while to learn that. And then she says it's the same with us and God sometimes, isn't it? Please, God, if you don't mind, would you mind if I just had a little bit of this? If it's your will, God, I mean, I don't want to be pushy. If it's your will, God, would you do this? And yet as children, you open the pantry, you ask what you want, or you just grab it, you go and watch the TV and have enough for your mates, right? Like you sort of, that's what it is to be at home. You grab the things you need. And God's heart for us is the same. Ask for what you need. Tell me what you need. I've already prepared a place for you here. Or alternatively, we might not steal, but we grab what we want when we need it. God's holding back on me. I'm going to take these things that I like as soon as I see them because it feels good. God's such a killjoy. I'm going to do it as I want. I don't care what he says. We haven't yet trusted that our heavenly father's for us. He's prepared a way for us. There's no such thing as fear of missing out. He's got it and prepared it for us. So he wants us to come and to pray for what we need because he knows our needs. We're worthy of seeing big prayers answered. Number two, as God's children, we have an inheritance and we're worthy of a good inheritance. It changes how we live and it changes how we give. We live open-handed. Now, I'm going to um, share a story that uh, it's a little bit personal. So a couple of years, sorry, a couple of decades ago when I first became a Christian, I'd been a Christian a couple of months. I'd never read the Bible, right? I'd never read it. And so I used to talk a lot to God and hear a lot from God. I think there was a special grace at that time. He would speak so clearly to me because I didn't know what the the Bible said about stuff. And I remember once I went on an Alpha course. Who's heard of Alpha? Yeah. So the Alpha weekend, right, where you go away on the weekend. And I asked a friend to come, and she wanted to come, but she couldn't afford it. I was shocked when the Holy Spirit said to me, I want you to pay for her. Not such a radical concept now that we're in church, right? But at the time, that was the very first time that I thought, use my money to pay for her to go on an Alpha weekend? What on earth is this about? I was so shocked that I went for a two-hour beach walk and just processed it as I was walking, talking in prayer. What do you mean use my money? Other people have money, more money than me. And he exposed my heart in three areas. I was walking along and he was saying, why not? And so I, I told him some things that were annoying me. And he's like, Julie, I want you to learn to love her like I love her because she's a child of God like you're a child of God and I want you to have the same perspective as me on these people. Okay, yep, that's a good point, God. Lord, what about if I paid 50%? Like that's, that's still a lot of money. What about if I covered like 50, maybe 20 to 50%? I'm just being honest with you. Like it's been embarrassing now looking back, but this was me at two months old as a believer. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, but I covered 100% of your sins not just 50%, not just 20%. I covered it all so you can have a relationship with me. It's so worth it that she could have that same opportunity. (sighs) Good point, God. Again, good point. And then the third point was really what it boiled down to is a love of money. And I'm like, but God, that's actually all I have. If I spend money for me to go and for her to go, that's my weekly income right there. 
I was a student at the time and wasn't earning much. And so I was like, that's all I've got. I'll run out of money. And I heard him whisper a promise that's been true ever since, which was, if you spend all you have for my kingdom and its purpose, I will give you my MasterCard. Now, some of you might be going, I don't think it says that in the Bible, Julie. There's no MasterCard reference in the Bible. And that is true. You were right. But I didn't know that at the time. And there's plenty of promises that say if you spend what you have, your life, your money, your resources, what you own, if you give it to God and live it in a life of surrender, he provides for your needs. He meets you where you're at. He, 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 he pours back into your life. And I saw that again and again as I learned to live a life of surrender following him. Third point, as children of God, we have brothers and sisters. So if you're thinking, Julie's a bit odd, some of those stories were a bit odd, I've just got two words to say to you. Eternity, baby. We're going to be hanging out forever, and so we either get to learn to like each other now or we're going to be there forever figuring this out. It's just how it is. We've got brothers and sisters all over the world that have the same God, and God's teaching us to love each other, to understand each other, and to be like him around each other. And final one, our Father has the final word. We are worth it. Now, I mention this because as you go in life, you'll find there's opposition to that. Yeah, I know Jesus thinks I'm worth it, but I don't feel worth it. I don't feel worthy of a great relationship. I don't feel worthy of a great job. I don't feel worthy of this, worthy of that. A few years ago, a friend of mine had a pretty tragic breakup with a boyfriend. He basically just ended it with no explanation and she was left pretty gutted. And a year or two later, we were talking together and she said, I don't know why I'm still upset. I don't want to be with the guy and it just hurts. And we talked a bit more about it and we prayed about it and she said, I know what it is now. It's not about him. It's the judgments that he had about me. You're not worth giving an explanation to. You're not worth being kind to. You're not worth being generous with. I've believed them about myself. I've thought I'm not worth being kind to. I'm not worth an explanation being given. And in that time, God showed her, you are worth all those things and you're worth it because God says it. You're worth more than being kind to. You're worth more than giving an explanation to. You're worth so much that God sent his only son to die for us and rise again so that we can have personal relationship with a living God and all of the benefits that come with that. It's the same with each of us. And it's a good truth. Each time we think about being children of God, it's part of our worth and our inheritance that we're in his family and know him personally. We're children of God who walk by faith, who are worthy of big prayers being answered, a big inheritance, an eternal family, God having the final word, and we're his through faith in Christ. Let me pray. Mighty God, I pray that you would take this truth, that we are your children, your sons and daughters, breathe on it, cause it to come to life and bring fresh life to each of us. I pray, God, that you would encourage us and spur us on in this 
and that we could live bold, large, good lives for you, walking in that truth. I pray, Lord, that your love would be made more and more real, even as we continue on tonight. You're a good father, and because we know who you are, we can walk confident that we are children of God. And that's a good thing. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. If you've got any questions about this podcast, connect with us on our website, stjohnsdc.org.au or at facebook.com slash stjohnsdc. Don't forget, you can join us live in Diamond Creek every Sunday at 9.30am and 6pm.